With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my good buddy, Nick Martin. Uh, today, we're going to do some, uh, have some discussions about NIL and how it's affecting kind of the draft process in general, get into some prospects that we've watched recently, and then touch on some bowl games this weekend. But, you know, first, Nick, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to a very cold week of football with this Arctic blast coming in. Definitely going to shake up the uh, landscape a bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I was looking at the just the wind chills for the games this weekend. Like in Pittsburgh, it's supposed to be like negative 11 or something like that for the wind chill. Feels like negative four or something like that. Oh. Like, ugh. Yeah, Terrible. it's going to be brutal. Yeah, even even here in Louisville, it's really uh, it's frigid already, but um, at least early in the morning. But on Friday, I think it's supposed to get down to negative degrees here. So definitely going to be different. Um, you know, there's always this discussion about what is football weather. Football weather to me is like, you know, when it's cold. But when we're getting down in these temperatures, that's not. Yeah, football that's taking it a little too far. Don't um, want no freezer bowl action like the yeah. Cincinnati Chargers came back in the day. Yeah, this is uh, taking it a little too far, in my opinion, but it is what it is. Um, let's talk a little bit about NIL and just some of the things uh, that have changed from a draft landscape perspective. We've gotten recent news in the past couple of days that Bo Nix is headed back to Oregon. He was kind of one of the ones that sparked this kind of conversation, along with Michael Penix going back to Washington for another year and i wanted to get your thoughts on how you think nil is kind of changing um the nfl draft process for a lot of these players not just the quarterbacks but a lot of these players and where do you see this kind of going forward so for me uh from what i understand bo Nix was probably going to be going somewhere around the day two area Penix, there was a lot less there was a lot less certainty about his draft stock overall but I think it gives um, quarterbacks a lot more incentive to want to win in college more than anything. Bo has a good reason to go back. Dan Lanning's building a really good program over at Oregon. A lot of a lot of good recruits coming in. Just a in turn, a lot of transfers and guys. They really overperformed to their expectations this season. Bo was a huge part of that, and he had a he was in the Heisman running at one point and. Bo probably sees what that program has done. 
he sees that guys like Will Levis can be 24, can be going into 24 and still get drafted really high if you, if the NFL really likes you. So if he thinks he can t- change his stock from a little bit towards the day two area, towards like day one, while still competing in college and making money in college, it makes a lot of sense for him to go back. You see probably the same thing with Kayshawn Booty, who had a really down year for LSU, but LSU's building a huge, they're, they're building something really great down there. And they showed a lot of promise with like their wins over like Alabama at the time. And at one point LSU was ranked in the top five. There's, you know, there was a, there was a lot to get, there's a lot of, there's a lot more incentive to want to win in college now. And I think that's the big thing overall is it's a bit, it's a bit better thing for college football. It may help development in the long term, but development is not always linear. As we say, every single year, guys don't always just go improvement into straight line. You know, if Bo Nix wants to improve and get his draft stock up, obviously good luck to him on that. But we, we don't expect development year in and year out. We have to, we kind of have to wait and see more than project, but those are overall some of my thoughts I had to get out. Yeah. It's both of those guys are really interesting. In my opinion, no Penix had a lot of medical related questions. He's dealt with a ton of injuries from collarbones to just basically everything under the sun. Uh, This kid dealt with a bunch of adversity at Indiana before transferring to Washington where he had that kind of breakout this season. I just think from a financial perspective, it makes a lot of sense um, for some of these guys, particularly at the quarterback position or, you know, bigger names where you're going to get more recognition. Um, you know, Penix, even if he was going to be drafted on day three, even though we both think he has the talent to maybe go a little bit higher than that, if you can get past the injury related questions, um, you look at what like backup quarterbacks, um, are making if you're drafted in, on day three of the draft. For an example, a guy that was drafted really late this year that comes to mind is a guy like Skylar Thompson from Miami. You know, he ended up making the roster. He's played a little bit thanks to injuries um, to Tua, to Teddy. Um, but like you even look at his contract, it's like four years, like $3.8 million. Obviously really good money. Uh, he's doing really well for himself. But the difference there between, you know, being drafted on day two where you're making, you know, that kind of salary, you're paying that crazy amount of taxes when you can go back to college and make more money probably on a year to year basis. Like you don't have maybe as much long-term security, but he can like I would guarantee that Penix is going to get more than that like 800,000 range um at Washington. So, I think it's a good thing like you said for development and to where like some of these guys can get some financial security um and not feel rushed to get into the league as soon as possible, even if yeah. they're not ready. Um, and then for Knicks, um, you mentioned that, you know, day two stock was kind of on the table, especially in this draft class where we're kind of in a little bit of a wait and see mode for whoever that, whoever those guys were going to be um, post, you know, Young, Stroud, and Levis. Um, Knicks, to me, makes sense too. Oregon is at the very forefront of NIL right now. They've got Phil Knight you know, really incorporated in the things that they're doing for the school in order to, you know, help the student athletes maximize their earning potential. And you think about Knicks, 
that arrow is still pointing up, man. Like we, he was a guy that has always been talented, but a lot of people wrote off, including really myself, honestly. Um, once he left Auburn, he explodes this year at Oregon, has a crazy season, you know, ends up wanting to run it back there. The difference in money and your contract between being a day two guy and being sliding into that first round is completely different, man. It's so much of a difference in terms of guaranteed money. Um, and, you know, if you if you can sneak into that first round conversation and I don't think that that's too crazy of a thought for next next year, if he continue, if we continue to see some improvement um, and just overall stability in his game. So just the financial aspects of it, you know, going back to school and still being able to make some money without, you know, completely uh, forfeiting, forfeiting, you know, that opportunity um, in the future. I think it's really intriguing. Yeah, completely agreed. And, you know, also makes uh like quarterback is a is a difficult position. It there's in terms of development, you, you're gonna see it's it's the big money maker, obviously, but a lot of quarterbacks go in, they think they're better than they actually are, and then they end up going a lot later and they end up getting hit with that reality. And a lot of times, if you have the incentive to go back to college and not have to worry about that money money while also it it takes the stress off of wanting to get into the NFL immediately but also just allowing you to work at your own pace because a lot of times these guys develop at their own pace not some might have that sudden jump from like a year to year basis and some might be a very gradual type growing process mm. guys like um Dak Prescott comes to mind Dak Dak Prescott got better every year he was at Mississippi State and a lot you know putting that into account just making sure that you can play as many years as you can at college especially with how murky a lot of the eligibility is right now with a ton of um the COVID years going you know a lot of guys still going around right now you know, you want to, you want to maximize that playing time. You want to make someone look at your age and be like, okay, this guy plays to that age. And that's, you know, that's what, that's what you want to, you know, you want to see that experience, that growth, that more than anything is probably the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, for sure. Also, I thought Narduzzi's comments about, you know, that he knows of teams that, uh, (laughs) you know, were willing to drop, you know, five million in uh, NIL money to get Drake May away from North Carolina. You know, there was some weird rumblings, too, about May, like maybe potentially leaving a couple of weeks ago. I'm guessing that's probably where that came from was, you know, a lot of teams are kind of trespassing a little bit, trying to get him away. I know. Narduzzi's not been shy about, you know, what happened with Jordan Addison in terms yeah. of uh, how USC was able to kind of poach him last year. Wasn't happy about how that went down. As much as I don't really care for Narduzzi's personal comments, sometimes I think he oversteps, but um, it, it's a different landscape. And, you know, it, it obviously affects college football a ton. It affects, you know, the NFL draft process a ton. But overall, I think it's just a good thing in general. Um, for these kids to be able to, you know, provide for themselves, provide for their families without having to make an unnecessary jump that they really aren't ready for, you know, physically, mentally, um, those types of things. So. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. Interesting discussion um, about the ever-changing landscape. Let's get into a couple prospects that we've been watching this week. Um, who have you had your eye on? So this one actually caught my eye uh, while I was watching the bowl game. It was the Myrtle Beach Bowl. It was... Um, it was between Marshall and UConn, and I started to notice uh, their corner, uh, Stephen Gilmore, who is actually uh, related to Stephon Gilmore. He's listed around six foot one seventy on the official site. I guarantee you, this guy is going to measure in a, a decent bit shorter than that. I've seen some plays where he was matched up with Mitchell Tinsley, who was listed at six one at the time for Western Kentucky, who now plays at Penn state. He, um, he is measured around six one and he had a good, he had a good bit of height, height length on, on him, but Gilmore really impressive. I saw him on the hip pocket of receivers. I saw some makeup speed, but I also saw ball skills. He had, an incredible attempt at playing the ball. This ball looked like it was going out of bounds. He goes, he goes and tries to, t- you know, has a, has like almost a highlight worthy, like toe drag, just barely couldn't control it at at time. But I love seeing the ability to find the ball in the air. I went and I watched a little bit more of him and he had a pick six against Notre Dame at the time that won them the game. I'm, kind of impressed honestly like i i'm a i'm a sucker for these corners who are a little bit shorter they play a little bit feistier but they have this aggressiveness going downhill he explodes downhill for one he he plays with good he plays with good he's good technique guy who does not let he he uses the sideline to his advantage he's he's great he doesn't have the lot a lot of length from what i've noticed but he knows how to use it and he knows how to keep guys pinned towards the sideline can explode downhill off from an, from an off, from an off coverage perspective, just really in, like I'm a sucker for these types of guys because Damari Mathis to me last year, guy who was explosive could absolutely tackle physical. Yes. I, I, I love those types of corners and Gilmore, while he mainly plays on the outside, I could see a team projecting him pretty well in the uh, slot as a nickel because of his ability to blitz and just how feisty, how aggressive he is. You know, you want, you want those in your, in your slot corners, definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye out for Pittsburgh a good bit as a, as a second corner that they could end up taking in this year's draft. That's a guy I'm keeping my keep my eyes on. Yeah, that's really interesting because I've been watching um, a good amount of corners as well. Really, just trying to get my full thoughts on the class because it's been so interesting to me because I wasn't really anticipating this class being all that great. Um, just because I didn't feel like heading into the season, we had the top list of names that we did the year prior, but. I really like the class in general. I think it's developing some top-end talent, and then I think the depth of the class is kind of um, appearing more and more um, 
nice to me as well. But the guy that I've really been stuck watching, and I have a tendency to do this with players that I really like. I watch way too much film instead of moving on to more players, but it's Christian Gonzalez. I've talked about him a little bit on here. I'm planning on writing about this for the site here in the next like week or two, but Gonzalez to me looks like the best corner in the draft. Um, right now, I don't know that it's extremely close either. I'm still waiting on some more film on Joey Porter Jr. to come in, but I just think Gonzalez, he what he can do and what he gives you athletically is just so freaking appealing. Um, you know, he's got good size. He's a he's an incredible athlete. Like on the GPS, I think they got him at twenty three point three miles per hour. He's a former track guy. That's he's got seven. good length. Um, what I really like with him in press, man, when whenever he's pressing uh, receivers at the line of scrimmage, really, really patient, light feet. You know, doesn't ever it, – it's almost never that I see him open the gate too early. You know, he's he's excellent at just staying square, staying patient, making the receiver declare if he's going inside, outside. Um, and then just the overall fluidity, like change of direction, there's burst. I mean, his hips are super, super fluid, man. Some of the times where, like, he just has to open up and run, there's not a single bit of a delay there. And I just – I think that that is so valuable – um, in terms of you know a guy that can play at the line of scrimmage, I think that there's been going there's going to be plenty of debates between like him and Porter Jr. or Keely Ringo. Just in terms of Ringo, because I've seen a bunch of him, I think the the biggest differences between the two is, you know, Ringo has he he's also an incredible athlete, but I think he's just really well built. Like he's a, he has a safety almost kind of build, um, and that physicality and that strength does come up. Um, with him on tape when it comes to like taking on blockers and being physical and playing like the run game so those things I really appreciate and as a tackler those things I really appreciate with Ringo that maybe Gonzalez doesn't offer but I just think the transitions from Gonzalez the footwork and just the overall technique separate him from Ringo and that's kind of the things that I value a little bit more um in terms of when I'm looking for a boundary corner that is going to project at the highest level and probably go in the first half of the first round, those things matter a lot to me. So the, Gonzalez is a guy that the arrow is pointing straight up. And I just don't, I think that he, you know, Ringo's the biggest hat that I think he had to kind of um, put out there was like his athleticism and that was why we kind of expected him to take a jump this year with more playing time. But I think Gonzalez matches that athleticism, and there's just more overall refinement. And I just don't see the – with Ringo, I have concerns about the change of direction. The transitions are a little clunky sometimes, and then the overall ball skills are non-existent. Like, he just does not locate the football, whereas Gonzalez, transitions are pretty good, in my opinion, really fluid. And then the ball skills for him – he been making plays on the ball all season long. I mean, he had three, four interceptions at least this year. Um, some of the jaw dropping variety. So, to me, you know, he's kind of the guy that I'm looking for in terms of the tops in this class. Yeah, you you mentioned the uh, transitions uh, with Ringo versus Gonzalez. I definitely noticed that whenever Ringo used, was actually a little bit slower out of his uh, out of transitioning versus versus uh, Gonzalez. Uh, it was something that I was kind of surprised with, honestly, because 
I think Ringo thinks he can win a lot with his his speed and his his makeup speed, his athleticism, and I think that could catch up to him in the NFL a good bit. Because while he's playing in the SEC, I definitely do think there's going to be a transition period for him overall, and you definitely want to see a little bit more refinement in you know your hand placement and just your technique overall yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm losing my words a bit and I had I need to watch more Porter Jr. as well like that's I I saw most of him last year and I wasn't you know too impressed last year but this year I'm very curious to see what overall growth that he's made um going off of the uh corner position I was actually gonna talk about a guy I was watching uh was watching centers Joe Tipman from Wisconsin. I was pretty shocked when I when I started watching this guy. I was like, he decla- he's declared early as a junior, so and he's going to be probably about 22 years old, I'd have to guess. He is a Bruce Feldman fr- on the Bruce Feldman Freaks list. Had one of the top 10-second um, splits out of his 40 times, clocking in at a 165. But also a four three one agility time, which would have been faster than any lineman at the combine this past year. The thing with Titman that really stood out with me, this is a guy who's one, he's large. He's 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 listed around like six six, like three seventeen-ish or so. And his strength really shows up on film. But what was surprising, it was his leverage. For a guy as tall as he is, he I never saw him really look like a liability when it came to getting beat from the leverage advantage. Like he was a guy who showed surprising amount of bend at his knees. Could and like I I really liked his ability to use his hands. His hands have a lot of shock behind them. Really good independent hand usage overall. Big thing with me, his anchor just sticks out like a sore thumb. He will get bull rushed and he will just like, he will, he will pr- probably move back about few, few inches ends up just standing there. He is, he is a rock in pass protection and this guy can pull in the run game too. What I love seeing more than anything is a center that can freaking pull. And when you're sick, you know, listen around six, six, like three seventeen, and you can move like that. And generate that, and generate that like push up front in the run game. That really catches my attention. Like honestly, kind of reminded me a bit of Landon Dickerson back at Alabama in terms of a guy because Tipman actually was a former offensive tackle recruit coming out of high school, so he's played tackle, but he played center mostly for Wisconsin, and he it's just been his home. He really looks at home at that position, even though he's a lot bigger. Similar to Dickerson, maybe he meant, and maybe you can move him to guard. You know, he shows that surprising amount of power, that anchor to be able to hold up there. Overall, big fan of this guy. I, I, I like, I think I might end up having him a little bit higher than I expected. Guy I was really impressed with overall. I think, I think you'd end up pretty li- liking him too once you get around to his film. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued on the on the center class for sure. I mean, there's a couple of guys that I've watched that I've really um, been a fan of so far. But, you know, centers are always 
it's always tough, man, because it's usually slim pickings. You know, we're only we're only usually going to get, you know, a handful of these guys that get drafted. But Tittman's a guy, you know, that I, I really want to watch. You know, I've, I've already seen already seen one or two centers. I've seen Jared Patterson a lot at Notre Dame uh, because, you know, he was a guy I think that was potentially going to come out last year and he ended up going back to school. Um, I've seen Stromberg from Arkansas, too, but. Um, definitely interested in diving into the center class a little bit more. All right, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about bowl game stuff before we head out of here. I had a couple matchups I think are really intriguing to watch for this weekend um, in some frigid temperatures. Uh, the main one being uh, Wake Forest and Missouri going to get the chance to see A.T. Perry play. Perry was a guy coming into the season that I was extremely high on. I loved his film over the summer. Um, he is such a uniquely built individual, uh, 6'5", 205, with like 99th percentile arm length. Um, the dude just runs like a gazelle, and it's it's really fun to watch. He, um, you know, gets up to that top speed really quickly. He's a glider with long strides. Um, and what I really like about him, he's a vertical receiver, you know, a linear type guy, um, as you'd expect for somebody with his build. But you know, he tracks the ball very well and he has nice body control, which I really like because sometimes one of the pet peeves of mine with speed guys is like when they beat their defender, they get that guy stacked and then they can't track the football in the air. Um, we've seen it a gazillion times with like Chase Claypool, even though he's not the greatest at uh, even stacking guys. But, you know, just the inability to play the ball when it's in the air with your body control or just track the football over your shoulder. Um, but Perry does that extremely well i've actually been really surprised by him in press coverage like when guys have gotten up into a phone booth with him um he's pretty good he has a nice little release package for him which you know is another struggle for a lot of like vertical receivers coming out but there's a big matchup um in this one missouri actually has a couple of uh really good cornerbacks you know they had a caleb evans i think last year the year before Um, but they've got two more guys with kind of nfl type potential um, in particular, Abrams Drain and Rake Straw. Um, Abrams Drain actually, I think he said that he got third round grades from the NFL, but ended up coming back to school. He's a former receiver um, that's made the transition to corner in college. He's only got like a year and a half, two years worth of experience. So he said he came back to work on his technique. But I'm really interested in that matchup for sure. Um, you know, going to get the chance to see Perry, who, in my opinion, he's a day two guy through and through. I think he's going to be like a second round type of grade for me, just based on what I've seen live. But, you know, he he's a really special player. And this is, you know, one of those matchups you really look forward to from a draft perspective to see him against some really good competition. Um, let's see who, who else we got. Um. Yeah, there's one more or two. Not really um, necessarily like a matchup, but just a guy that I really want to see play. Um, Tank Dell from Houston. Clayton Toons uh, kind of go-to guy there. They play Louisiana on Friday as well. Both these games are on Friday if y'all are trying to tune in. Um, but Dell, 5'10", only about 155 pounds. This dude is really, really light. He is very, very thin. Uh, but he's already declared for the draft, but he's going to play in the bowl game, which I really like. So, a uh, chance to boost his stock, but dude's been incredibly productive. I mean, back to back 1300 yard years. Um, I think, 
I think last year he finished with like 12 touchdowns. This year he's up to 15. The first time that I actually noticed him was when I was watching the conference championship game against uh, Cincinnati last year. Um, he he put it to him a little bit in that game. I think he had like a buck 50 and at least one touchdown. He had a nice play where against off coverage where he kind of uh, stemmed up this route on a post, ended up getting separation. The ball was away from his frame. He perfectly tracked it. Uh, just plucked it out the sky for a touchdown. And then he had another screen pass, I think, earlier in the game uh, where there, he had to make, I think it was like four or five Cincinnati defenders miss and ended up taking it for like 50 yards after the catch. So really, really productive player, um, you know, really tough to tackle in space, a guy that can, you know, beat you deep. He's kind of electric with the ball in his hands too. The biggest question with Dell is like, what is he going to weigh in at when he gets to the combine? Um, it's, you know, 155 pounds. I mean, you're in historic draft outlier territory, which is, you know, not where you necessarily want to be. Um, I think that Houston lists him around like 160. I think he really, really, really needs to get up to that 170 mark. If he can get up to that 170 mark, we're talking about a guy who could potentially threaten in the middle rounds of the draft. I think if we're talking about like 155 or even lighter, which some people might think, um, that's when we're kind of getting really concerned about his projection um, because it does show up on film too. Like just in the one game that I watched last year against Cincinnati, like he was really good. But when some of those Cincinnati corners kind of got their hands on him down the field a little bit, the play strength was kind of showing up, which you'd expect for a guy that's that size. So. I can add a little bit on the on to uh, Tank Dell. I uh, was watching Clayton Tune because I tend to watch way too many quarterbacks um, when it when it comes to the draft process. I try to exhaust as many of my resources just to watch as many as possible. But I ended up watching a little more more of Tank Dell because of his ability to just release off the line of scrimmage. A uh, guy who just really explodes out of his cuts, just extremely smooth with stringing moves together can really break break off his stem smoothly guy that overall he can make some plays after the catch the play strength like you mentioned is going to be a huge concern though he's probably going to be lucky to be listed at 160 he is he's not short like tutu atwell was like he's definitely longer than him it's a lot more noticeable in terms of his frame but he is skinny he definitely needs to get up a little yeah. bit more elite. If he can get up into the 170 range, that would be huge for his stock overall. Because there's, I, I, I'm like, I'm not gonna be shocked if he measures around 155, 160 range because yeah. of just how his frame looks on film. Yeah, that's uh, Tutu was the obvious name that I was thinking of, and that's not really, you know. And the thing is, Tutu was kind of a guy going into that draft where I was like, man, if you can get this dude on day three of the draft, as a gadget guy, Tutu was a pretty good route runner. Like, he could get separation um, underneath to local guy for me. So I, I watched a lot of him coming out. And then when I heard his name called in the second round of the draft, I was like, oh, no, that is not good. Because you don't like when guys, to me, even if I like a player um, – while you can be happy for their success and, you know, their financial security that comes with being overdrafted, you worry about that too a little bit because, you know, expectations are through the roof when you're a second round pick, as opposed to like when you're a day three guy kind of coming yeah. in and just trying to cut your teeth at the bottom of the roster. So um, 
you know, Dell's an interesting player. I definitely think that, you know, he's a guy that can definitely benefit through gaining some weight and just in general having a nice combine. Um, he's he's a day three guy for me. Like I said, not somebody that I'm expecting to go day two, but, you know, it's hard to argue the production. I mean, it's it's been incredible there at Houston with Clayton Toon. They formed, you know, quite the duo. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Toon's got the arm to get him downfield too. So, yeah, Toon throws can, a good he, deep ball. Yeah, he can throw a good deep ball. He's just a bit he's just a bit late at times and uh that's a that's a problem. He's a bit yeah. slow-footed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But that's, you know, that'll be fun fun matchup to watch for sure. All right guys, well I think that wraps um this episode up for us. We appreciate all of you guys' support. Just remember you guys can subscribe to us at youtube.com/allsteelers or find us anywhere where you get your podcast. Um enjoy a nice weekend of football, Saturday Sunday football. Um, and we will catch you guys next week. Stay Peace. warm. <laughs>